You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Peak Church, located in Apex, North Carolina. Our church is striving to welcome all who are feeling disconnected from God. And so our hope is that over the next several minutes, you will connect with the God that we are talking about, and you'll resonate deeply with the life that this God wants for you. We hope you enjoy. Our scripture passage for today is from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Above all, show sincere love to each other, because love brings about the forgiveness of many sins. Open your homes to each other without complaining, and serve each other according to the gift each person has received as good managers of God's diverse gifts. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. months before I entered into full-time ministry, I'll never forget a really sobering conversation that I had with one of my mentors. You see, I was one of those brandly, newly minted seminarians who had all these grandiose ideas of things I wanted to do and goals I had for the church and all these things I wanted to solve and issues I wanted to get rid of in the world. And just very gently, uh, this mentor of mine, who was a retired pastor himself, said, That's great. That's awesome. But just be prepared that only about 30% of the congregation is going to help you do those things. Like 30 as in like three zero, um, that's a lot less than 100. And so what are, you, um, what, are you, what are you talking about? I was floored. Like I was completely gutted by this. And he went on to share, and by the way, he was not sharing out of a place of like cynicism or skepticism. He said, you just need to understand that the world from which your people are coming to is built in such a way that they've been taught, they've been trained to consume rather than to contribute to meeting the needs of this world. And as time has gone on, uh, that statement has been true. In fact, uh, the department, uh, the Labor Bureau did a research on this. They were trying to figure out, like, how do people spend their time and what do they make time for? And they found that only 25% of Americans, only 25% of Americans make time to volunteer. They make time to serve. They make time to show up with the causes that mean the most to them. If you are new here today, Now, we are actually finishing up a sermon series that we began last month. At the beginning of uh, August, we started a brand new sermon series here at the peak called Committed. Committed. We're using this sort of post-summer season to recommit, to realign, to re-engage with what we believe to be the five essentials of Christian faith, the five essentials that mark a well-balanced faith. What are those five? For us here in our tradition, it's these, that we believe a well-balanced faith, a holistic faith, means that you are loving God, you're serving God by way of your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. And so again, today is the final week. We've talked with about four of the five, and so by process of elimination, today, we're going to engage in a conversation around service. 
this call upon our lives to be people who follow Jesus' example in helping those who are in need, serving those who need assistance, seeing the gifts that you have been given as gifts not only for you, but gifts to share with the world. And this is actually one of those places where Jesus is super clear. There's a bunch of passages where Jesus is not so clear and it's ambiguous as to what the heck he was talking about. But here, he's actually very, very crystal clear. That, friends, the goal that all of us are striving for in life, the goal, the thing that every single one of us wants to hear when we pass from this life to the next is, well done, my good and faithful consumer. No, 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 okay, okay, okay. Well done, uh, my good and faithful achiever. What is it? Well done, my good and faithful servant. And so why? I want to unpack this a little bit today. Why do we find this trend, not only in the world, but in the church? Why are we struggling in this way? Let's jump in. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow along, go ahead and return back to the passage you just heard read a couple of moments ago. Uh, today we're going to be camped out in the book of 1 Peter. And so if you're new to reading the Bible, you're new to studying the Bible, I'll give you a little bit of context. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, also goes on to become one of the leaders in the early church. And so he writes a couple of different letters to the early church, and it's circulated amongst the churches. This is his first letter he ever wrote. In one of the sort of central themes of this letter, was the importance of holy living, holy living. Now, Peter is very, very clear that this is not holiness in like a sort of pretentious way, holiness as a sort of like I'm better than you sort of situation. There's a big difference between holiness and self-righteousness, right? Holiness is living a life set apart that someone watches you and they're inspired by you and they want what you've got Self-righteousness is they look at your life and they feel bad about themselves, they feel judged and shamed by you, and they want nothing to do with the God or the person that you are following. And so this is actually something that is true of my own life, that I want to live a life that, yes, that is different than the world, that's set apart from the world, but my hope is that I live it in such a way that people are not judged by it, but they're attracted to it. I want to live a life in such a way where people see it and they go, dang, like that's way better than I got. Like that's way better existence than the one I'm living. I don't know what the heck that dude has, but I want some of that. This is the holiness to which Peter is calling us to live. And he gives examples. He gives examples of how you and I can live holy lives. We can live lives set apart, different from the world around us. He talks about one very specifically in chapter 4. So in chapter 4, verse 10, uh, Peter says this. He says, one of the ways in which you were called to live a different life, a holy, a set-apart life, is with what has been given and entrusted to you. He says, each, uh, serve each other according to the gift each person has received as good managers of God's diverse gifts. So let's sort of tease this apart. The first thing he wants us to see, he wants every single person who's a follower of Jesus to understand is that you've been given gifts. Me? Yes, you. But I'm not like one of the people like on stage or doing the things like in front of people at church. It's okay. Every single person, each person has a gift that they have received from God. 
In fact, if you go and look through Scripture, you look at passages like Ephesians 4, you look at passages like 1 Corinthians 12, they give you a list. And this is not an exhaustive list, but here's just a list to get us started, that every single one of you in this room has at least one of these gifts coursing through your system. Why? Because every single one of you, when the day you were born, you were made in the image and likeness of God. You were made of God. So that means that there's different God particles living and bouncing around inside of you. And that also means that the gifts that God have, some of them live in you. And so, by the way, if this is like a, a new conversation for you, some of you, maybe you came into church today and you're like, yeah, like I've never actually seen myself as someone who has gifts to use to help the world. Uh, you're wrong. You absolutely do. In fact, we want to help you also. And so if you actually go to this link, we created this survey, thepeakchurch.org slash serve. If you go there, you can actually take an assessment that'll help you figure out, A, what your spiritual giftings are, and then B, where you might be able to use them, both inside and outside the walls of this church. And so if this is a new conversation for you, if you've never actually done the work of looking internally to yourself, please do so. But to be clear about something, to be clear about something, uh, knowing your gifts is not actually what sets you apart, right? Like, you don't have to be that, you don't even have to live in this world long enough to know uh, that there's tons of people walking around who are like, that's okay, I know exactly who I am, I know I've got my Enneagram number, I've got my Myers-Briggs situation, I've got my strength finders, and so I've got them all laid out, like, I know exactly who I am, I know what all my gifts are. That actually doesn't make you any different. Everybody's doing that. What sets you apart is what you do with them. See, friends, what sets a Christian apart, why and where we should look different, is where we use those gifts, on whom we use those gifts. Do those gifts ever go beyond just you, or do they stay right here, and do they only serve your interests, your ambitions, your goals, your dreams, your desires? The Christian is the one who wakes up day in and day out and asks God, God, what have you given me? And where do you want me to use it? With whom do you want me to use it? God, make my life useful and helpful to you and to your kingdom's work. Just about every morning I pray some prayer like that. God, wherever you need me, whatever you need me to do, I'm open to it. I want to be useful to you. I want to serve you. Now, going back to our series, again, we've been talking about these five things. And so maybe for some of you, you're crushing this one. You're doing great. Keep it up. Others of you, uh, you're looking at those five things, prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, and you're like, yeah, that's one of them. Like, I have totally neglected that one. I have not actually made myself available to help or serve many other people anywhere or everywhere. And so before you feel the need to just sort of rush out of here and go start serving, I want to warn you of something. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about prayer, one of the other uh, five. And I put this graphic up on the screen. And I said, be really, really careful that you don't run out of here and try to add prayer to your life. That's what the graphic on the left represents. So much of the modern life, just you, you fall into this temptation of like, I can just keep adding stuff to my life. Or like, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. I should add that to my life. Oh yeah, that's a really good idea. I should add that to my life. And the problem is, 
when you try to add prayer to your life, what happens when life gets crazy? What happens when life gets overcommitted, overscheduled, overextended? What happens? What's the first thing you stop doing? Praying. And so my coaching was, don't add prayer to your life. Swap prayer into your life. Remove something from your life. Position it some, somewhere, some way, somehow, that it becomes a part of your daily rhythm. Something you can defend. And the reason why I put this graphic back up there is because I think this, there's a really, really similar concept that applies to this whole conversation on service and helping other people. If you're not careful, what can happen is acts of service, acts of volunteership, acts of helping other people, it can be just yet another thing you put on your to-do list. It can look like this. That acts of service can be one of those things that you throw on your to-do list, and most of the time, where does acts of service end up on your to-do list? Dead, stinking last. And what happens is you have this mindset. You have all these great intentions. You go in, you say, well, you know, just I'll, I'll help, I'll serve, I'll sign up to be there. I just need to, you know, make sure I've got my other stuff figured out first. I've got to scratch off the other things first. I've got to make sure that I do all these other things first. But I promise you, like, I'll be there. I want to be helpful. I want to be useful. And so, like, you can sign me up, put me there, so long as, you know, I get through these other things, or so long as I still have energy left in the tank. But you want to know what you and I never have? Extra energy in the tank. I don't know nobody who's just walking around going, oh my gosh, I just have so much time and so much space. Like, I just I have too much time. Like, this is amazing. Like, no one is talking to me like that. Nobody. And so what happens? You add acts of service to your to-do list. And then slowly but surely, all the things start piling up and that don't amount to nothing. And so don't try to add, don't, please, do not leave here and try to add service to your life. Yeah, I gotta add that to my life, don't do that. Because quite frankly, it needs something so much bigger. What this conversation needs is not just another thing to do or to stop doing, it's an entirely different paradigm. You see, so often in this modern life in which we're living, we compartmentalize everything. And sometimes compartmentalization is good. But where it bites us is so often we do this sort of thing where we're like, okay, I got my, my marriage life over here, I got my work life over here, I got my parenting life over here, I got my faith life over here, and I got my service life over here. And what happens is you begin to ignore rooms of your life because you have dedicated all your time and space to all the other ones. What I want and what needs to happen, what will have to happen in order for service to mean anything to you, for it to be anything in your life, is it's going to require for you to stop seeing service as a part of your life and to start seeing service as a way of life. Catch the difference? Again, this is another place where Jesus is crystal clear. He says, if you want to call yourself a follower, if you want to call yourself a Christian, if you want to call yourself one of my believers, that's fine. That's well and good. But just know this, that you are called in all times, in all places to be a servant in the mix. Remember this story, Matthew chapter 20? The disciples are having this sort of disagreement. They're fighting. They're like, no, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. No, I'm going to be the greatest. And Jesus says, good Lord. 
this is not the way it's going to be with you. This is not the way it works in my kingdom. If you want to be great, truly great, if you want your life to matter, you must become a servant of all. For the Son of God came, why? To serve, not to be served. I'm a pastor, and so I love a good analogy. I love a good analogy. And so when you leave here today, we have to stop thinking of service as something I add to my list of things to do. Instead, I want you to start seeing service not as a to-do list, but as glasses that you put on each and every morning. I want you to see service as something that every day you wake up, you ask God, God, help me to see. I'm not going to see it on my own like I know myself well enough. I'm going to get too preoccupied with this. I'm going to get too worried about this. I'm not going to see it. So God, please help me see the people, the places that are going to cross my path where I can make a difference. I can do something. I can meet a need. God, help me to see. And let's get super practical for a minute on what this looks like. What this looks like uh, for those of you who are married. For those of you who are married, this means waking up and day in and day out, asking the question, God, how would you like for me to serve my partner today? How would you like for me to serve my spouse today? How can I care for them in the ways in which you've called me to? And if you want extra bonus points, you ready? It's learning how to serve another person without keeping score. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's this human temptation when it comes to service, whereby, let's just be real, our human, be, our human tendency creeps in and we keep score. We go, I've done the dishes six times. She done it twice. I'm going to leave him right there. I'm going to leave him right there. In your name, Jesus, amen. Um, there's this temptation. And maybe it's not just marriage for you. Maybe it's a really close friendship or maybe this is a really close relationship. And for so long, the way in which you do service is the math computation. I'm only going to do this if they do it first. I'm only going to help if it's even. And I can promise you, I can't do a lot of things with absolute certainty, but I can guarantee this with absolute certainty. If you want to live a really, really unhappy and miserable life, keep score. Spend the rest of your life keeping score on what someone owes you versus what you owe them. You'll live a miserable existence. So maybe for you it's in your relationships or maybe for you it's in your work. If you are a manager or a boss or if you play any role in your company or organization where people report to you, you want to know how you're called to look different, you're supposed to be set apart, be the manager, maybe the first boss they've ever had who treated them not like your servants, but you are their servant. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it looks like is you are called to be a leader like Jesus, a servant leader, someone who, yes, you might have a task that you're all aiming at. Yes, you all may have various roles in meeting that goal or making that task, but your job as the leader, as the person who has been given responsibility over these people is to make sure you're not only meeting the task, but you're caring for them along the way. Instead of just using them up, spitting them out, because they didn't give you what you wanted when you wanted it. 
Friends, whether you knew this or not, whether you and I were fundamentally aware of this or not, the moment we signed up to be followers of Jesus, we signed up for that role. When? Always. We're called always to be the people who show up and say, how can I help at church, at our kids' school, in our neighborhood, in the random places out in the world? Shoot, make it weird. Do it at Chick-fil-A when they ask you, how can we serve you? Turn it back. How can I serve you? Seriously, if you do that, I want to know what happens. <laughs> Don't compute. We only serve. This is the role you've been given. I don't actually care what your gift type is. That's the, that's the role all of us have been given. We've been given the role. Christians are supposed to be the people in the world. This, God, this is what it looks like to be set apart. This is what it looks like to be truly holy people. To be the people who show up time and time again and amidst all the cynicism in our world, all the skepticism in our world, we are supposed to be the people who show up, who never stop caring, never stop helping, never stop serving. And pardon my language, but this world that's growing increasingly cold and apathetic and indifferent, you and I are called to be the people who never, ever stop giving a damn. Ever. I'll close here. Bandy, come on up. Friends, if none of that, <laughs> if none of that stirs any urgency in you, if none of that moves you in any such way, then at least hear this, that if we don't get it right, we're going to have to get it right in the life to come. Because this is how our story will end. This is how your story will end. Jesus foreshadows this moment in the Gospels. He says, in the life to come, there's going to be this conversation that I have to have with some of my followers. It's the least of these passage. How many of you know that story? The least of these moments where Jesus says this. Jesus says this to a group of people. He says, listen, we got to have a talk because when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. And when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. And when I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. And when I was a stranger, you didn't welcome me. And when I was in prison, you never came and visited me. And you want to know what the most startling part of that whole conversation is? It's their response. Do you remember what they say? When did we see you? We never saw that happen. Like, when, like seriously, like, walk me through that, Jesus, because I never saw that ever. Like, I had a lot going on, but like, where? I never saw you show up in any of those sorts of ways. Never put on the glasses. Makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you think that maybe, just maybe, these people that Jesus is having to discipline in a life to come, he's having to sort of have this stern talking to in a life to come. It wasn't this group of people that didn't care. It wasn't this group of people who wouldn't have helped if they had been given the opportunity to do so. It was the group of people who tried to add acts of service to their to-do list. And then what happened? Life got crazy. They got overcommitted. They got overscheduled. They got overburdened. 
and that desire to help other people in need never amounted to anything but good intentions. This is a good time to sort of wrap up our sermon series uh, for today. Again, if this is your first time, uh, by the way, I don't normally cuss in my sermons, and so uh, there's that, um, so sorry about that. Um, and also, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry because, friends, just look around at the state of the Christian church today. And I want you to ask yourself this question. When was the last time someone, that was the first thing they thought of when it came to Christians, that we are the people who jump in and are ready to help? Tell me. I'll wait. We are at a place right now where the urgency has never been higher to finally be the people we're supposed to be. And so again, if you've missed this whole sermon series, if this is your first time here, really the core message week in and week out for the last five weeks has been this, that if you walked into this place today and you feel stale in your faith, you feel dry in your faith, you feel just like you're going through the motions, Maybe, just maybe, the answer is super simple to understand, so hard to execute, which is this. Week in and week out, the theme of this whole sermon series has been less equals more. That if you want more out of your faith, shoot, if you want more out of life, it's going to require you to stop doing less, committing to less. It's going to require you to Put more stuff down. Again, this is another moment where Jesus is just super clear. He says, if you want to find your life, what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to lose it. And so I dare you. I dare you to lose it. I dare you to lose it. I dare you to start right now putting down, quitting, dropping all the things that you're holding that are keeping you from the life that Jesus wants for you. Because maybe, just maybe, what you'll find on the other side is something you've only ever dreamt of. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's people said, Thank you for listening to The Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.